Welcome to Guys We Fucked. <laughs> guys We Fucked. Guys We Fucked. I'm Christina. I'm Corinne. We're sorry, sorry about, about last, last night. night. The anti slut shaming podcast. <laughs> I never stop. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Guys We Fucked. It's the anti-slut shaming podcast. I'm Corinne. I'm Christina. Hello. What's up? How you doing? We're so tan. We are. Miami. I miss you. I know. Great guys. Oh man. Great fucking city. So good. Really good city. So for those of you who are like, uh, Kay, uh, I was a surprise <laughs> guest on Glamour Puss. Yeah. That's why you should always pay attention when we say we have a surprise guest on something. Yeah, yeah. It was really fun. Uh, damn, I miss it so much. Yeah. Let's get to some uh, things first before we go into that. Uh, come see us live, guys. Come see us live. Okay, so on Wednesday, May 11th at 11... Uh, no, not <laughs> at 11 p.m. <laughs> Wednesday, May 11th at 8 p.m. at the Standing Room in Long Island City is The Comedian Project, my show with no uh, jokes about relationships, sex, or dating. Uh, use code SEX for $5 tickets, and that is in Long Island City. Uh, then Friday, May 13th, it's Nacho Bitches at New York Comedy Club, 11 p.m. for that one. Co-hosted by myself and Blair Saki. Use code NACHO for $10 tickets. On Monday, May 23rd, uh, is our second Guys We Fucked test tour date. And it's going to be the same venue at Subculture. Doors open at 7. The show starts at 8. Um, tickets are on sale now. I actually just checked with, with our people, and they're mostly sold. So get them now, That's guys. awesome. And this venue is all ages. If you're under 16, just bring your mom. And people do bring their moms or their dads or their older sisters. Like, it's a fun show it's so much fun and bring a friend that doesn't listen to the podcast it's a, you don't have to know about the podcast to enjoy the show you really don't want to miss that yes and then saturday may 28th at 7 30 p.m zinc bar in the west village is another glamour plus and we have another surprise guest last month it was Artie lang and this month you'll have to see so get tickets links in the description of this podcast and finally if you live in the nashville tennessee area uh corinne and i are going Going to be there the second to last week in May, so it's coming up in three weeks as part of the Wild Wild West Comedy Festival. So check that out. Uh, look at the description of this podcast for more details. Um, I miss Miami so much. <laughs> I was like, I was like here on our uh, little talking sheet. It says Miami talk. Yeah. Was it hard for you to not tell anybody that you were in Miami and? brag about being on the beach yeah it was very difficult i spent most of my time in miami secretly in miami yeah we went to a very nice spa that i could not check into on facebook and it killed so me sorry for your life. and i was like maybe i can just check in after <laughs> just so that everyone knows that we were there yeah you had so we got uh we got, we got massages. Um, and <laughs> you don't mind a dude massaging you. Yeah, no, I don't mind, mind I a don't, dude massaging I've, me. I just had a dude massage me the other day, and I was like, oh, man, this is great. I'm going to do that from now on. Um, but your guy was hot, and I remember going in the room going, damn it, I wish I had him. Yeah, I wasn't. he wasn't so hot that it made me uncomfortable, though. Yeah. He was certainly had a, attractive. Had a good voice. Yeah, he, it's the kind of, it was the kind of guy who, like, you're not sitting there hoping that he tries to finger you, but if he had initiated, I might have like, let it go. I thought that every massage I get, I'm like, I wonder if they just stick their finger on my butthole. Like, what would I do? 
Well, it's so weird. Because I'd probably be like, that feels nice. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, they get, there's a lot of ass. I mean, and the, I remember the first time I got a massage, it was from a woman. And I always wear my underwear just because I don't, I don't know what's happened to that bed. I don't want my coochie on it. And, get your coochie off that bed. And they do this like kind of like <laughs> fast move where they quickly like uh, roll down the waistband of your butt so that, so that part of the, the top of your crack is, is, it is, exposed. it's exposed and I feel it. Exposed. Yeah. You feel a draft. That's not, I mean, and it feels, and it's so sudden and no one kind of gives you the heads up if it's your first massage that that's going to happen and then you're just like spending the whole time like should this happen but because i had a woman first and i just you know trust women more i was like oh yeah this is totally normal that he's doing and he was he was totally fine my girl went up in the inner thigh massage and then Mm -hmm. she went pretty high and i was like where are you where are we going with this girl Right. We're going to make this a pleasure session because I'm already feeling great. But and then what would you do if she really tried to start a pleasure session? I'd want to see where it goes. Right. If it honestly, like if a woman did it, to, I would be I would be less likely to stop a woman than a man. Yeah. Just because a man, even though I'm I'm certainly way more sexually attracted to men than women, I would have been like felt like, no, this is not OK. You don't get to do this. But with a woman, I would have been like nice initiation. Oh, that's really sweet that's that you like really took control. Look at how comforting you are. <laughs> Your touch is so soft. <laughs> then we went to uh, one night our going out night. We had one going out night, and uh, we went to this place called Mango Mangoes or something like that. Yeah, based mangoes. On your man- best friend Paula's recommendation. Man- mango Mango owns it. Mango, <laughs> and Krim, uh, as we were walking in, Krim's like, "I wonder how many times we're gonna get sexually harassed." And I was like, <laughs> "Probably a couple." I got one. Yeah. The Ugh. guy, the guy that was talking to me in the front couch, who said, "Do you want to fuck me?" And oh, I right. said, "No." And he goes, "What? Do you have a boyfriend?" I go, "Yeah." But that has nothing to do with it. I don't want to fuck you. And then he told me about his wife. I'm like, what the fuck? Because I was like, oh, are you guys in an open relationship? Oh, no, 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 no. I would never cheat on her. Oh, he that's was, hilarious, bro. Christina, he was just taking a survey of people who might fuck who him. Who might fuck me? And then uh, we were talking. He showed me pictures of his girlfriend's children. And they're very cute children. And he told me how much he loved them. And I was like, that's great. Because I was waiting for somebody to be getting drugs. So I was like, I'm going to wait up front so I can see what's going on. Make sure everything's cool. And this dude started after the, the whole, well, you want to fuck me? Um, he moved on to showing me pictures of his girlfriend's children and telling me how much he loves them. And then I stood up. I'm like, I'm going to pee. And he pokes me in the butt cheek. And I literally go, no, Mm -hmm. you do not do that to me. Do not do that to me. And then he did it again. He goes, what this? I'm like, I will have you escorted out of this bar very quickly. What the fuck? Do not. I got so mad, but then I realized it was making him happy. So then I was like, I don't care. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. People, this is pointless. You're a fucking idiot. People delight in upsetting women, but guess when they won't be delighted? When they're in handcuffs. Oh, shit. And they have prior. But not the sexual kind. No, not the, the police sexual kind. kind. Not the sexual kind. Well, other than that, Miami was a great town. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. And that wasn't, I mean, I've gotten way worse sexual harassment yeah, but that's experiences kind of sad. in New York. That's sad that you have to say that, though. Oh, of course it is. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, the titties were out in Miami. A lot of boobs. A lot, lot of, of different butts. body types, which I like. It was all different body types. And there was women that had the quote unquote perfectly curvy body. And yeah. next to women who had quote unquote the not perfectly who curvy body. quote unquote fat. Yeah. And they didn't give a shit. They yeah. felt just, they were having just as much fun as everybody else. Everyone was having equal amount of fun. And it seemed like they were feeling an equal amount of good. Yeah. It's laid back beach town. There's no time for like be concerning yourself with being overly perfect exactly when i was in the ocean last day I, my bathing suit got huge because i didn't i got it 
like put it in a dryer, but I wore it th- four days in a row. And it was so big that when I would pop up out of the waves, my tit, my nip, both my nipples would pop out mm-hmm. and my butt would be popping out and my vagina because the bathing suit got so big. And I was like, you know what? I don't even care. It's Miami. It doesn't matter. No one cares. It's fine. Everyone, everyone's just comfortable with it. Speaking of comfortable, <laughs> fuck spirit airlines. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Yeah, we're not we're not fans of them at all. Uh, if you want to have a good flight experience, don't fly Spirit Airlines. This isn't an, that's an anti ad. They rob you of your happiness. They rob you. You they rob your soul. Are you gonna sneeze? Yeah. Oh. Uh, they rob you of a lot of your money, and the seats don't recline. You have to check every bag, and they make you pay fifty dollars for yeah. it and then when you go what they go shut up <laughs> they don't really do <laughs> they that do but that. <laughs> that girl wasn't nice but then i'm like well i wouldn't be nice either if i had to deal with people bitching about the same thing i fucking hate that airline yeah i've never man and i don't like i don't complain about shit like some i get that things happen but man that was atrocious experience flying in a plane yeah, but I mean, it didn't crash. So at the end of the day, it was a great, was like, it was still a great flying experience. As much for me. as I'm mad at this airline and I like want something bad to happen to it, I do really hope that we land safely. So I guess we're fine. <laughs> uh, that was the anti ed portion of the show. Now's the ad portion of the show. Oh. Things that we like. Uh, today's sponsor of the Guys We Fuck podcast is Casper. They make mattresses, but they're not just any mattress, they're obsessively engineered mattresses <gasps> at a shockingly fair price. How do we know this? Well, we both have Casper mattresses and they have springy latex and supportive mm. memory foam to create an award-winning sleep service with just the right sink and just the right bounce. That sounds like a song. It's not. Uh, I will say that my boyfriend comes to my house uh, a lot just based on the comfort of my mattress. Like multiple times he's like, let's stay at your place because you have a better mattress and I sleep yeah. better. So you guys can have this same experience. There are free shipping and returns to the u.s and canada try casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home if you don't love it they'll pick it up and refund you everything these mattresses are made in america and is there an in if you're a guys we fuck listener of course Uh there is you can get 50 dollars towards any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com backslash gwf and using code gwf terms and conditions apply Hey, McCall Chojnaki, thank you for donating to the Guys We Fuck More Time for Fucking campaign. We appreciate you. Uh, Sarah Carr, you're a brawler. Thanks for your money. C. Williams, what's your first fucking name? Just tell us. God. Uh, Anna, I hope you know it's you because there ain't nothing else there. You're like the share of Anna's. <laughs> uh, Trevor Schatzneider, <laughs> I love your last name. Thank you. Kathy Phillips, you're a good person and we appreciate your contribution. Michaela Mulhern, uh, I bet I want to chug a beer with you. Catherine Solms, if I was a massage therapist massaging you, I would try to finger you. Daniel Tenzer, you are my friend and we went to college together and thank you so much for donating money. It's so sweet. Jennifer Schwartz, you are the last person on this week's uh, brawler list, but not the least important to us. The second least. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you. 
Also, we want to shout out really quick um, Samantha Butler, who had listened to the podcast that we did with uh, Wendy Kent and then decided to volunteer as an escort at a, at a women's health clinic. And so we thought that was really cool. And we appreciate you actually taking action on something instead yeah. of just being like, ah, people's trying to protest, like actually help the women who have to go in there. You got up and did something. Yeah, that's that's awesome. It's very impressive. And we really appreciate it. If any of you guys live in the New York or New Jersey area and you want to male or female, it does not matter. You want to uh, escort women going into these health clinics because the reason why they need escorts is because they get verbally harassed, sometimes physically harassed. Um, and you can e- send an email to volunteer.mma at gmail.com. Or if you just want more info, go to nownyc.org, N-O-W-N-Y-C.org to learn more. Ooh, we're going to read some emails real quick. Um, if you want to email us shit, you can do that at sorry about less nice show at gmail.com. Okay. Uh, this subject of this email is how, when slash how do I tell my mate that I was abused by a priest? I don't know. Let's read. Hey ladies. Uh, this is, this is from a male, by the way, this email. Uh, Hey ladies. Uh, so you have my full name and email address. I asked, uh, If you ever refer to me, kindly refrain from using my full name. I will. So I have been divorced for more than a year and I'm now getting back into the dating game. I use things like OkCupid and Plenty of Fish because it tends to be convenient and I rarely go out to bars and lounges anymore with the intent on picking up chicks. While I was married during therapy, I came to realize and accept that I had been abused as a younger man by a Catholic priest. His name was Joe. And my grandmother, just fucking, yeah. Uh, my grandmother worked in the rectory at St. Julia's in Massachusetts during the early to mid 90s, where I encountered him when I was about 13 years old. I'll spare you the details, but suffi- <clears throat> suffice to say, he took advantage of me. And I kept these things secret to the point where I had obfuscated them from my memory. Good word. This trauma has had a profound impact on my ability to be intimate with women. And when it comes to the physical act of sex and the emotional connection that lies within, this was a serious issue with with my marriage and the root cause of my unhappiness. In the spirit of full disclosure, my ex-wife is an amazing woman and a wonderful person and a tremendous mother who I hold in higher esteem and respect. She did the best she could, but I was not the one who was un, uh, but I was the one who was unable to find happiness and fulfillment in married life. That being said, going forward, I want to be in a healthy and happy relationship. I'm ha- I'm open to the idea of remarrying and having more kids. My ex and I have an awesome little boy who is a total dime piece and a sweetheart. <laughs> Well, let you call your kid a dime piece. Uh, but a recent dating relationship has me concerned about how to go about this. I became entwined with a woman I was really into, and I decided to disclose my past to her in the spirit of being open with her. Needless to say, things didn't really work out shortly thereafter. I don't think it had to do with my past. However, I cannot be certain. What I'm hoping to get feedback on is this. Do I have an obligation to tell my future mates that a pedophile priest forced himself on me and made use of me as a child how much detail should i disclose i am working on this in therapy but i am at odds with whether or not to disclose these details in in, uh, in my past i want to be open about this but i don't want this to be the finding feature of my identity but i'm also worried about how to disclose and when to hold back and when to throw my cards on the table what do you think that's a that's a i think i would want to know I think it depends on every situation. What what do you feel comfortable disclosing? Because if you feel like this is something that you're comfortable disclosing or that you want to disclose and the person you're disclosing it to that you're dating is like, ah, I gotta go. Then fuck that girl. She's not g- gonna be understanding of your situation. Um, I think... 
I, when people have disclosed intense things to me on dates, when they do it in a casual way, not, I mean, it's dumb to say like, you have to do a casual cause like do whatever you want. But it, from my personal experience, when people are like, yeah, something really traumatic happened to me and this is what it was. And I just want to let you know, I think that also helps it. And, uh, maybe not the first date unless she discloses something crazy. You'd be like, well, actually I got one too. So I don't know. What do you think, Grim? Uh, I think for this one, it would be based on, well, number one, I would wait till I was actually like in or approaching a, a, a relationship. Yeah. I don't think it's something that needs to be disclosed when you're dating someone casually at all. But I would base whether or not I felt the need to disclose this on how much it was affecting me. And in this email that you wrote us, you say this trauma has had a profound impact on my ability to, do, to be intimate with women. And when it comes to the physical act of sex and the emotional connection that lies within. So that sentence right there is telling me that there's a barrier that people are going to need to get past to truly become intimate with you. And so I think it needs to be disclosed just so you can be honest about where you're at. And so your partner doesn't get frustrated because if there's this barrier that's up for really a a reason that no, that they don't know why it's there, they're going to make it, that woman's going to feel like it's something that she's doing when in reality, it's an issue that is uh, specific to you that you're, you're you're working through, but you're still in the process of working through. And like you're doing all the right, you're in therapy, so you're taking all the right steps. Uh, but I think it's something because of its effect on you that people are just going to need to know yeah. about you. And and it's and also it's like I feel like if you didn't tell them, it would just be something that you were like hiding and and it's going to come out in like a bad time like in a fight or something and you want it to come out in a time when it's safe and everyone's talking at normal tones yeah whenever somebody didn't disclose something like dark about their past and it it comes to surface by them being distant i'm always like well i guess you hate me then and then if right. they finally tell me what's up i'm like what the fuck we right. could have been working on this or talking it through right i mean it's just not easy i mean this is not an easy conversation to have so it's like it's like in theory it's like yes we, we you should tell the person but i know it's a difficult thing yeah. to tell someone i just don't i don't i can't see anyone really like getting it's nothing you you didn't do anything wrong it was something that happened to you when a very long time ago i can't really see that uh making turning someone off i don't know i have a person that i know in my life that i'm close with and this person's boyfriend um had a similar-ish experience Mm -hmm. and i you know they found out and they're working through it and talking about it brought them closer together. So everyone's different, but I think that it's definitely something you should disclose when a relationship, if it looks like it's going to get serious, because you want to make sure that they can help and support you through, you know, your past certainly doesn't define you, but if it's going to pop up in your present, then figure out how you can you know, work around it or, yeah, or deal with it. Cause you don't want her to be late for something and then be like, God damn it. My priest molested me. And they're like, what? Like, that's oh, you just not, told me. that's just not how that should come not out. Not at old country buffet. <laughs> um, so this next email is my beautiful best friend is cock blocking me. Hey ladies, first off, I can't start this email without letting you know how much I love the podcast and how it has made me much more comfortable with being sexually explorative. 
Thank you. Last January, I ended a six-year relationship and have spent the last year or so dating and fucking around, and it's been overall good, but interesting at the same time. Before I was with my ex, I was considerably thinner and had no problem meeting men at bars through friends, etc. in person. But my relationship with my ex was pretty toxic and caused me to gain some weight to the point where I now classify myself as BBW. I'm plus size. I'm still curvy, and I think I have a pretty face and good hair, but I've experienced some meanness from men in my time being single. At the same time, I've had pretty good luck meeting guys on dating apps like Tinder, and I've had my share of sex with hot dudes in the last year. In these situations, I've explicitly included my body type in my profile and therefore have been able to attract guys who like thicker women. Hell yeah. But I know those apps generally won't lead to anything serious, and I'd really prefer to pursue a relationship rather than just hookups or friends with benefits. I have tried other dating sites like OkCupid and Match, but with no success at finding anyone I like so far. And I can't seem to meet men in person, and especially when I'm out with my stunningly beautiful best friend. I'm not a totally insecure person and don't think I'm exaggerating, but when we go out, oftentimes I end up feeling invisible when guys hit on her. They seem to have tunnel vision to her and don't even give me the time of day. She's also extremely funny and charming, so that captures their attention as well. Oftentimes, I end up sitting there quietly, twiddling my thumbs. I can't help but wonder if it's because of my weight and makes me feel down on myself. I am working towards living a healthier lifestyle and working with a personal trainer to achieve my fitness goals, but in the meantime, I'm still getting ignored. I'm wondering if you have any advice for what I can do to be noticed more slash to avoid this kind of situation. This girl has been my friend for over 15 years since we were in high school and now we're in our 30s, and she's my soulmate, my ride or die, and we're always going to be hanging out together that's never going to change she's totally oblivious and I've never said anything to her about this and I know she's not trying to leave me in the dust but I want to increase my chances of meeting someone in person when we're out together and not end up sitting quietly like a bump on a log and feeling bad about myself I know I should probably just suck it up and shake it off but I don't know how my fear of rejection and what a guy could say to me seriously guys can be mean well yeah we know uh, always gets in the way as I said I'm such a huge fan and I thought I would reach out and get some advice and she attached some photos blah blah blah, blah da, da, da. and p.s i actually discovered the podcast from a guy i was talking to on tinder only good thing to come out of that huh. interaction lol well you know i like that, your, i'm so glad i like your ability to see the positive and everything um so this is from oh she said feel free to say my name so this is from natalie in toronto canada so thanks so much for writing us natalie uh i really like this email because it was super honest and i think we've all as women had a situation no matter how pretty you are um we've all had a situation where we have a friend who we consider to be like prettier or the pretty friend or the hot friend, the friend who goes out and everyone looks at her. Oh yeah. I think we've all and had you, that. And you do feel, I had that friend and you feel invisible. It's weird a little. Mm-hmm. And you're like, but I love her, but I don't like this feeling. Right. I mean, my Paula was certainly in high school that, that for me, and I even addressed it when I gave my uh, maid of honor speech, like kind of always living in the shadow of Paula, but not anything that I feel resentful for to her, towards her because of because I see her in that same light and I think that right there is the key so like I see Paula in this light that I mean she's very lovable and beautiful but not everyone sees her in this crazy light that I see her I just see the outside I see her in that light her husband sees her in that light her family sees her in that light but this is because you love and adore that person so much and when you've been friends with someone for so long and they're your best friend you're gonna see them as this perfect angel especially because you're not in a sexual relationship with her so you can think better of her than you would (laughs) even your own mate because she hasn't like farted in in your face probably Uh, maybe she's in front of you but maybe just not directly in your face 
face. Uh, shout out to Tommy. Um, uh, but I think uh, even in this email, you kind of go down on yourself so much. It's probably gotten to the point that when you go out, you're, you've already shot yourself in the foot. Yeah. You've, you're already going out expecting no one to look at you and everyone to pay attention to your best friend. Even if your best friend is more aesthetically attractive than you, who cares that, and this is a great episode to kind of, uh, listen to after we read this, this letter, but it's just like, as women, we have so much more to offer than our looks and whether or not we men do? recognize that we need to make them recognize that. Yeah. And own that because I, I, I do, I completely understand the feeling of almost being like, what the fuck? Like no one is looking at me mm-hmm. and it's, and it is, I, I get exactly what this girl is saying, but it's, it's definitely about getting to that place and whether it's I think it's a good that's a good suggestion Corinne of just like really just appreciating how amazing your friend is because you know so much more you are privileged enough to know so much more about her than her looks and you appreciate her for the person she is and just when you're out and you're having fun and you're having a good time that's confidence and people will be people will gravitate towards that whether it's other girls to be like hey you look fun or dudes that want to bang or date you so I think it's all about getting to a point in your head where you're not that's not weighing on you of like no one's looking at me no one's looking at me like they might not be but have figure out a way to have fun anyway and that's where everybody wins yeah I think you're probably so like blinded by this shimmer that your best friend exudes that you're not noticing people who are noticing you because you're going out already defeated so you know you can only aesthetically look as good as you can look I'm sure you know how to dress and put your makeup in. and these things uh, are valued more than they should be but I still think they're certainly important and it's certainly cool to go out and, feel, and feel sexy and put on makeup and look pretty and wear a nice dress and a pair of high heels that it's not for everyone I certainly like doing it though dude when we did it the other night I hadn't done that in so long I'm like I haven't gone out with girlfriends and like put on a hot dress and high heels and like it felt so good it's so fun yeah it's really fun and and, you know and you'll gain confidence as you make these lifestyle changes I know it must be weird to kind of go from thinner to like a BBW I've never had that rapid of a weight change I've certainly had uh, weight fluctuations where I could tell the difference in how I was being treated by society I mean not like on a crazy level but certainly enough uh, and it is weird and it, especially when you're used to being like a hot girl or some, whatever the fuck that means um, so yeah just have more confidence in yourself and keep making these these great lifestyle changes so you're going to feel better physically and that's going to make you be more confident but in the meantime don't go out already defeated Think, think you're, there's a lot of qualities I'm sure that are great about you and just hone in on those and also I don't think it would hurt to you know even mention this to your best friend she probably has no idea and you should never make someone feel bad for getting attention or being pretty but maybe it just everyone can be a little bit more cognizant of it when you go out yeah there's no reason you can't be honest with like oh, this is so weird to say yeah it's but your fucking best friend I kind of like when we go out like you're so beautiful like I, and like no it's weird but no one like I feel like everyone's ignoring me and I know it's not your fault but it's just something I'm feeling yeah you can just, not, what's wrong with that yeah you can just say it I mean it's not yeah as long as it's not in, in in a, in a cunty way yeah <laughs> bitch why are you prettier than me yeah 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 and she'd be like oh, i gotta go yeah <laughs> you should never make someone feel bad about being like their best self or, or that they have to dress down or anything like that but Totes. just be honest it's your best friends guys our <laughs> guest 
this is such a this was such a fun interview i was so interested the whole i mean i'm always interested when we interview people on here but i had such a fun time with her Mm -hmm. she's uh she's a great stand-up comedian she has a blog called the headless women of hollywood where she uh puts all these movie posters together that just show women's body parts and not their faces it's very eye-opening she's so smart she's fucking really funny and we had a really interesting conversation really excited for you to hear it ladies and gentlemen Marsha Belsky. So they calling you a bitch, calling you a slut, cause you dress up, cause you dress down, cause you said no, cause you slept around, cause you played games, cause you lost your head, cause you went slow, cause you jumped ahead, cause your hair's long, cause you shaved it off, cause you did wrong, can't erase it, tough. Cause beauty is fleeting, all an opinion, cause you felt pretty when you attracted your minions. Cause Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're so polite. Our <laughs> we've been, you know what? We've been wanting to have you on for a while. And then with the uh, Headless Women of Hollywood project, I just felt, well, this is certainly the time. Your work is so brilliant. Thank you so much. I'm excited <laughs> to be on the show. Is that humble enough? Like, oh, thank you. Thank you no, so much. We, That's our saying. Yeah. Kurt and I was like, thank you so much. Literally. Thank you. Literally. <laughs> I mean, it's just like when you're complimented so much, it becomes so hard to just. (laughs) I know. I hear you. But that's why I like sitting in this jizz chair because it it humbles me, you know, back to my back to my roots. Figured you got all those articles, those press. You got to come back down to earth. Uh, Being from Oklahoma, I'm used to sitting in many jizz chairs. And uh, (laughs) how, how was that growing up in Oklahoma? Um, well, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, so it was the more liberal part of Oklahoma, but it's still like, you know, it's kind of like, it's a liberal for Oklahoma, but it's very conservative. Still suffocating a little. Yeah. And there's still a lot of mega churches literally on the outskirts of town because once the city, because Tulsa became a big city because of the oil industry. Uh And so then in the fifties, they were like a hop jiving spot you know <laughs> but then you know it's like the oil dried up the christians came in and <laughs> as it always does as they tend it, to do it's always the order <laughs> right now how did a jew such as yourself end up in oklahoma so yeah so my dad is a philly jew and he's like very jewy in the traditional sense you know what's, what's a traditional sense like he says sense of yuma and he, oh. <laughs> and he's like but he, he like makes all these dad jokes and my dad dad's you know an old like because my parents are pretty old my mom was 39 when I was born and my dad was 45 and that was already kind of old for the east coast although that's more common Mm -hmm. and I was actually born in Albany New York okay um but my dad's from Philly my mom's from DC and they're professors so my dad got a good job offer in Tulsa Oklahoma so that's where we went when I was like four years old oh well you got some smarties in your family 
family. We, we're the intellectuals. Yes, they're lawyers. So they're Damn. law professors. Are they? Were you like, mom and dad? I'm doing comedy, and they're like. <laughs> Oh, no, they're actually I mean, they're really supportive. I'm lucky in that way um, because but they both think that I got my humor from them. You know, it's that sort of thing where <laughs> well, my, my dad, too. my dad tells these puns, but we call him two stepper puns because it's like, say he's thinking about Star Wars. He'll do like a joke about Star Trek, but then something like really specific about it. So we're like trying to trace back what we were talking about that could have possibly led him there <laughs> to do the joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that happened. It's good to know that happens in more than my family. Oh yeah. Um, and my mom's side of the family is like, you know, strong women, really feisty, really strong. Um, and you know, so, the, and dry. So they think that my sense of humor comes from them. I'm like, I think it comes from a combination of my dad's silliness and like, you know, it's actually good preparation to be a comedian to like be so mad at something being so unfunny that you find it funny and love the person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so. how we appreciate the people we hate. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> now, how do you would you think uh, having a little bit older parents kind of affected you at all as far as like your sexuality or how you view the world? Or yeah, I think it did in a way because you know when I in Oklahoma especially. I was really embarrassed by my parents and people would think my dad was my grandpa and you know like I would think like would they say she like yo your grandpa's pretty cool yeah and I'd be like that's oh. my dad and they'd be like what <laughs> what uh, what um so I used to be so embarrassed and I'd be like you know I wish you were younger and just be like a real mean <laughs> kid like to my parents you drove your dad to severe depression yeah. I'm like because well, it was it's always been like a joke in my family like how old he is um but <laughs> and he's gotten on board really and um he has no choice <laughs> he has no choice um but they would explain to me in a way that I never understood like you know it seems like you know, your friends who say that their best friends are their moms and like things like that. Like sometimes that's because the moms were so young and especially in Oklahoma, a lot of teen mothers and young mothers. And it's not a bad thing. It's just she's like, you know, it's good to have your parents know who they are and have their careers set up before they've had you, because then they can focus on you and they could be good parents. Yeah. And, you know, now I appreciate more that. chilled out, I would imagine. Exactly. I mean, you. that was a cool thing, too, as I was the younger one. So like my brother really messed up a lot and got in trouble a lot so not only did I learn like what to what because my brother got caught smoking weed by literally rolling a joint in the living room while my mom was in the kitchen like and then my mom walked in and was like okay <laughs> what the fuck dude yeah so I was like okay I'll just not do that and just not be super obvious and my parents were old so it was kind of like they don't maybe. have the energy left at exactly. that point they're not gonna walk in your room but yes. it's, you're doing it right in front of them I was like out. if I keep my grades up like you know um were you ever um um, did your parents ever allow your brother to do things that you weren't allowed to do? I was the younger sister of uh, with an older brother and yeah. I couldn't do a lot of shit. And I asked my dad blatantly, I was like, is this because I'm a girl? And he's like, yep. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck you. Exactly. Now I'm going to be a real bitch when I grow up. <laughs> like, I'll show you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was interesting because my dad was is such a progressive man in so many ways. Like my dad has a really cool career and he like you know, helped you segregate the South and like what? was awesome. really way ahead of his time in terms of thinking about gay people. Like for a man born in 1944, he came around on the idea of gay people a lot quicker. And, you know, since he's a lawyer, he uses his voice to directly compare the ways that people are oppressing gay people with the way people used to oppress black people and still do oppress black people in America. And so, you know, he 
um what was i talking about i started bragging about my dad yeah um, <laughs> desegregate the south well but so it was about it was about you uh getting, oh you are your not father getting, not getting to do certain things because oh right because i'm a girl so he was so progressive in areas like that and you know my mom is uh adamant feminist and like you know they got married later in life so he you know likes strong women and we only we got in a few fights though because it was that sort of really hard thing in that situation to deal with where i'm like how come you're more worried about me when i stay out late i can't stay out as late as early as you let alan and he's like it's not you it's the world you know it's he's like unfortunately i have to worry about more things with you that i don't have to worry about with alan and i would get so mad you know because i'd be like well then you're punishing me for the ways that like society already punished yeah and he's like i know (laughs) yeah but still yeah come home at 10 it's kind of the same thing as like when i i can go out and i can wear whatever i want but if i'm gonna wear a miniskirt out at two in the morning and then walk back in harlem alone like i have to just i wish no one was going to yell things at me or try to touch me but they are and i have to say do i want to deal with it is it worth wearing this exactly oh yeah most times it is oh my that's why i hate because it's hard because like that's when they're talking about now there's this all-female train car and then china and I think one other place and I was like how sick would that be because if I just didn't have to sit in this creepy closed encapsulated space with some freak licking his lips (laughs) looking at me or jerking off under his coat that happens all the time yeah so that would be just amazing but it's like we don't live in that world there are small pockets where like you know i have this joke of like this kill all men this like idealized world of like a female only like matriarchy you right. know um, which i love <laughs> it's it's funny because it's sarcastic obviously it's sarcastic yes which is it's so funny because when men truly get mad about it i'm like if you're this mad at me being sarcastic about this imagine how mad women must get when men like in earnest are just horribly sexist towards them like you but I don't want to put like, myself in women's shoes. Yeah. Yeah. I have a dick. They're like, I'm oppressed. Like, and just to, just to catch all the listeners up, when uh, Marshall's talking about the kill all men joke, <laughs> it's like a running bit she has on facebook and social media in general and yeah and it started with a band i'm in a band exactly well yeah i do it out on social media but it started with my band free the mind where we wrote this song called women are perfect which is kind of like a woman manifesto we're like you know we don't want to speak for all women but we will and we just define (laughs) define feminism we're like people have such wrong ideas about feminism and then it goes into like women murdering men and like how men should not exist that's hilarious because i think that is such the the strongest way to uh to be to respond to there are so many feminists out there that uh or they call themselves feminists i don't i don't personally don't think it's feminism but that do think that men should just get get off the planet (laughs) and the only in Instead of saying like that's wrong, that's dumb, make fun of it and just yeah. take it to the most sarcastic, well, ridiculous level. And I think those women get a lot of attention, but the problem is too is that they make it seem like that's what feminism is. You know, media does. So I'm like, if you guys think that feminism is really just a bunch of us functional women walking around killing men all the time and hating on men and yet still holding jobs and doing all these things, I'm like. Why not just give them exactly what they want? Like, why right. not just be their worst fear and yeah. embody it and show them what it would really look like? Because obviously it looks ridiculous. So it's like maybe it's a lot, silly. you know, it's silly. So 
it's been really cool because the male reaction to it has been great and the dudes that don't have a sense of humor about it it's even better because it's like you get to out troll the trolls yeah you're proving my point yeah yeah it's, a, it's like the dudes uh who who write shitty comments on our, our like youtube shit we have i'm yeah. like you're just proving the point of why this podcast is exactly. like a necessary thing but they're like i hate how open your I, conversation I is what do you think you got opinions you fucking yeah. bitch i know wow. and yeah, you just sit back and relax and smile i know well and we wrote this song that we put on youtube that's called all older white men should die. <laughs> and then it says parentheses, but not my dad. <laughs> good. It's good to clear that up. Yeah. Cause like, clarify. you don't want a dad. Darling. I'm like, dad, dude, I love you. And it's like, love, about, it love you, dad. <laughs> I will protect my father in the revolution. Totally. Um, and so the then, revolution yeah. is the, the time when all men die. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. the revolution, that's like blah, blah, blah. Anyways, every woman gets to save 10. It's a whole yeah. long thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now is your, does your band still perform? Form in New York? Yes. And oh, so we can just, we use your music on this episode? Yeah, we could totally. We just recorded an EP um, that we're mixing this week, so I could we could I could send you the YouTube clip too, where one of the sound quality is actually pretty good. Sick. Um, we're called Free the Mind. We're fun because we do this really over the top stuff, and then we mix it with songs. Like we have a song called My Gynecologist is a Scientologist. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like whimsical. Yeah, right. It seems really lighthearted, <laughs> like music you could dance to. Yes, music you could dance to. It's catchy and. And it's just a little bit about murdering men. <laughs> when the people, how often do dudes get mad about your sarcasm because it goes over their head uh, on, on social media specifically? Well, what's mostly is like a lot of what female comedians experience on social media. And I know comedians in general, but I think specifically women more so is just lesser funny people trying to tag things that don't need to be tagged. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. You know, it's like they'll try and add to the bit or still somehow make it about themselves and i'm like that's the point bro it's not about you like this is about jokes kind of for us by us and when men laugh that's amazing and when they participate that's funny too like when they're like i offer myself to be sacrificed you're like thank you spartacus yeah yeah, yeah. like that part's fun too but it's like or when men take it seriously and try and say that i'm like perpetuating the problem in the way even joking about it like because like if you focus on like the divide you know and i'm like dude you're making fun of the divide yeah like i I, it's just i think the nuance of it maybe goes a little over their head which just proves my point that all women are smarter than men so it's like you know (laughs) it's hard it's just so hard i was just reading um the founder of reductress beth oh my god she she fucking tweeted uh, that she had a baby in the back she birthed her baby in the back of a honda so she tweeted something funny like honda you should give me a free car because uh mine's kind of dirty and the dude they were dudes i was dying some of these dudes were like you can't just ask for a free car what the fuck do you think they're gonna do i'm like i think a lot of people don't know reductress is a joke though i know well and they don't know that she particularly it was such a funny post because and also it got a lot of attention is the thing too is that because it was so funny she gave birth in a car apparently and then she tweeted a picture of her in a car right (laughs) after getting birth that says just gave birth in a car like couldn't she give me a new one honda and all these men were like i'm so mad that i can't have a baby in a car and get my own new car like what are you talking about (laughs) oh my god i mean and then the funniest thing is that those trolls will then and be like this lady needs to get a job <laughs> i have one thing. yeah i have one. that's a lot been a lot of the criticism with the blog has been like a uh, self-righteous millennial needs to get a job i'm like okay 
I work 40 hours a week and manage to be a self-righteous millennial in my free time just fine. <laughs> That's a lot of fucking focus and effort. So, so spreading yourself thin. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about your blog and how you started it? Yes. Um, so this actually, isn't just isn't just any blog also. I know because just because we make fun of bloggers a lot. Me too. That's why every <laughs> so since I've been doing stand up for so long now, I'm scared that when I have a bad set, since people are introducing me with the blog, since it's done so well that I like, you know, if I have a bad set, which we all have, people are going to be like, Oh yeah, she's the blogger. <laughs> it's because that's she, why she got booked. Cause she has a blog. <laughs> and then my friend was like, I think you're projecting that a little bit. And I was like, no, I'm not. They hate me. I'm a blogger. <laughs> Did your blog work? No, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> so I've always, it's weird because I think that has been what's prevented me in a lot of ways because for a long time I thought I was going to have to choose between feminism and comedy before I figured it out with my band and this sort of angle I've been taking at it. You know, this like kill all men character. They're like, what if I'm character to write for? I'm like, yes, <laughs> character. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> You're all safe. <laughs> That's interesting being a feminine, mixing feminism and comedy and does it work? Because a lot of times we need as comics in general, you need room to experiment with material. Yeah. Maybe you go a little too far. Exactly. Maybe you go not far enough. But when you do go too far, no one's giving you credit for just figuring out what your thing mm-hmm. is. Like everyone's just like, but you said that what? Like mm-hmm. it's shitting on Trevor Noah for tweets from five years ago. Exactly. I mean, like he's experimenting with his comedy voice. Chill exactly. the fuck out. And it's always like you have to look at who they're choosing to do that to. And you're like, if you did that to every single comic, we all got shit. Like, oh, there yeah. is nobody has never said one thing that couldn't be perceived wrong because that's the thing with the internet. There's no tone. So it's like, <laughs> there's true. a lot of things when people follow you, when you're still at like that sort of up and coming state, people know your voice more. So you write for people who know your voice mm-hmm. more, you know? And as your voice changes and then they look back on your voice from five years ago, they're like, Oh, imagine that. Like, it's just so stupid, especially with Schumer. Of course, they want to tear Schumer down. Like, so she handles it pretty well, I think. But she does. And um, that's like that. It's hard to not let that get to uh, for me. I'm talking about me. It's hard to not let that get to me. Oh, I mean, especially with like the blog criticism. You know, the criticism, there hasn't been one thing that I didn't prepare for. So I guess I should explain. The yeah. Blog so let's first. explain. Yeah. yeah. So it's called the Headless Women of Hollywood. Um, it started from me posting on my own social media because when I was in college, I had this professor whose whole life was critiquing advertisement and, you know, the repetitive images that it sends us that it's been sending us and you know the history of it because obviously we know now especially with mad men and stuff the beginnings of advertisement in the 20s the keeping up with the joneses and then in the 50s you have marketing really in its heyday and now people believe that we're in this sort of post advertisement having meaning world Mm. which is not 100 true for smart people and it's definitely not true (laughs) True. for dumb people right you know (laughs) and 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 marketing marketing and movies and television so informs the way people think about women about men about relation about every fucking thing and how we view that's the thing is that i wanted to make this website particularly a visual display because you can say a lot of things but people ultimately need to see it for themselves. That's a big problem with a lot of things, you know. And so this teacher taught us all about, you know, not only what advertising does, but the way that it does then seep into other aspects of culture. And it's always this thing where it's both symbolic of how the culture is at the time while it's shaping it. Right, which is weird. Which is strange. So, you know, objectification of women on movie posters has gotten better. That's a lot of the criticism. They're like, 
like men have been sending me just photos of women's heads on movie posters and just being like look at this there's a head god bitch stop complaining uh, this is like, a beauty oh, and the beast i have, I have to rethink all these photos like oh, no i i guess i'm an idiot um and, you know, I lay out a lot of the theory on the site, which I wanted to do. If you go to the about section of Headless Women of Hollywood, but scrolling through it really kind of speaks for itself because it does. I, when know, I was scrolling through, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Good point, Marsha. And because, you know, this <laughs> is such a sex positive podcast. And that's why I'm so glad you guys have me on, because what a lot of the criticism has been, you know, uh, I actually laughed really hard because <laughs> I tried not to read the comment section. But this one guy put, I used to like when you could tell a girl was approved because she had a Bible in her hand. <laughs> when was that? I was on, uh, I think, one of the BuzzFeed comments or something. <laughs> but I laughed so hard because Aww. that's been a lot of, you know, I, I knew that that would be a take that people take is, you know, this is about prude, you know, sex sells. And I'm like, of course, sex sells. And there's nothing wrong with sex and the desire for sex in itself being sold. But you have to look at who it's being sold to who it's being sold for and the, you know, lens you're looking at it through. Dude, yeah. And so the male gaze is very much real. It was coined to talk about women in film, how they're always viewed through this lens that is, you know, sort of inherently by a man. And then it affects us because when you're looking at everything through the male gaze, a woman's value becomes defined as that instead of female sexuality being sold to us, for us, by us, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. We, we sell sex in this podcast all the time. The yes. podcast is called fucking guys. We fucked. That's yeah. not an accident. We knew people would be like, Ooh, this is going to get me hard. And then we're like, got them. Yeah. yeah. Tricked you bitch. Like yeah. I, I take pictures of my ass every Sunday. Like that's just, that's just because like, I know we're going to be exploited in this business. Yes. So I'm just, I'm just beating everyone else to it. Exactly. And that's that was my idea. I was with, like, I'm just going to beat you fucking to it. I yes. don't care. And this, is a lot of the point of my blog and you know it really goes back to this idea that women are still very oftentimes being sold as passive sexual objects right yep. and it's about women being active sexual beings in the way that men are afforded with preferences with for preferences shit. and desires and you know emotions and motivations and this is the problem with hollywood in general is that they still write so many of these one-dimensional sexualized female characters do you know cecily strong's um weekend update character of the yes. female and the male uh, the oh uh, male driven comedy and oh. she's just the most bland i don't know whatever you want it doesn't matter to me it's so cecily fucking strong funny. kills it to me i love her so much she's so she's funny and smart um and she's beautiful yeah she (laughs) is so hot such a crush on her uh see that's the thing is that what i want what a lot of what we're trying to teach girls and what we're trying to change about the discussion about sex is not only teaching them to seek their own pleasure and purpose and define their own sexual value before they let men define it for them Mm -hmm. you know teaching them to think critically at such a young age before things happen to them in this messed yeah. up world, you know, and, you know, then you have to do the opposite of teaching boys that they also live in rape culture. And a lot of these images in themselves are not significant. But when you take a step back and you look at how women's bodies are being fragmented literally into pieces and sold to us it kind of then makes you think about why women are still seen as consumable you know and equivalent to a man getting a car or food or everything else that's sold to them in the same way when you scroll through your blog and you see countless photos of just women's body parts and the the most you see of women like the the 
a fatal traction post or whatever, it cuts it off right before you get to her eyes. Mm-hmm. So that's that that's the one part of the body that they never show a woman at the top of the, her head and her eyes, which uh-huh. is so interesting. And then you just realize like these seeing image after image after image when you scroll down, you're like, these women are just sexual play toys. Mm-hmm. That's what they kind of become after you look at so many of them in a row. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. What you just mentioned. Cause I think a lot of times men think like they're kind of like owed a woman, like just something you get in life. You get a house, you get a job, you get a woman. Yes. Like you don't get a woman, you earn a woman, you go out and you meet a woman, you right. hopefully connect with a woman. And women are taught to be the gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. And so it's this idea yeah. of, you know, sex is always for Blair said it really well on her episode with you guys, where she says, that girls are still taught that you know sex is something you either hold from or give to men right and it's always about losing your power mm-hmm. yeah and so that's what we're trying to change in the conversation because that i think it's you know there's a long history of oppression of female sexuality but no, sure. in terms of our modern society a lot of that has been done by marketing and advertisement mm-hmm. really purposely keeping women in very strict binaries and in very strict you know, ways of defining their value. Um, and yeah, yeah, it creates that anxiety of like, how can you even possibly think of your a woman, your own pleasure as a woman when you're worried about, do I give it to him yet? Do I give it to him yet? Yes. Shit, do I give it to him yet? Oh, maybe he wants, I think he wants it. Do I give it to him? Like it's so, and I was, when I rewatched our TED talk, you had a really- How many times it. have you rewatched the TED talk, Christina? How many times do you think? And I'll tell you if you're- <laughs> yeah, I, I, w- I would like to say, I haven't even watched it fully through once. <laughs> My internet wasn't good. And I was like, well, I, I was there. That's <laughs> yeah, really good. I would guess 50. It's higher. But anyway, <laughs> you said something that I caught. I didn't while we were doing it, I didn't it didn't register, but like it's it's so smart. She said the more we are fed, I mean, we wrote this together. Yeah, I know, but you wrote the, <laughs> I didn't. Great. I didn't. I don't think I wrote this part. If I did, let me know, and I'll be like, good for me. But I'm pretty sure you wrote it. She said, the more we are fed somebody else's version of perfection, the cloudier our own preferences become. Absolutely, we are being fed men's version of what they want, and not all men want that, by the way. So it's so insulting to think that every man wants that type of person. Yes, but it's like you lose sight of who you are. And I did write yes. that. And that, it's about it so I just like Corinne. I just, well, cause I, I, I can tell because I love to use the word cloudy. <laughs> and, and it's so beautifully, it, I had a picture in my mind, a glass and someone dropped their version of perfection and it clouded it up. I love well, By like the 14th time I watched it, then I got that image. It's so true and smart because it's the idea too of a lot of men try and excuse the way that women are exploited by saying, well, women judge other women harsher than I've ever seen a man judge a woman in their life and you go well that's the internalized male gaze that's yep. women being taught that their own value and other women's value is that of what men see that's thank you for saying that because that explains why I get so angry but I cannot <laughs> I cannot communicate what that anger is coming from when yeah. a guy says women are just fighting with each other like your your Facebook groups and stuff you can't get along yeah and not like we've been bred to do that for like exactly hundreds well, of years. exactly yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and like but how are you gonna articulate that to some fucking dumb dumb and we get I love Facebook comments. New York so much too because that's why you know when people try and make the New York comedy scene seem catty I'm like you have no idea how amazing the female relationships are in New York comedy. It's great. I've never felt such an actual support for women as a whole getting better and making each other better. 
Yeah. And it's so good. I mean, obviously and there's there, going to be people who don't feel that way. But. Of course. Yeah. And there's, there's people in every single group that are pieces of yeah. shit. Like that's normal, but and, it's like, yeah. we, everybody works so fucking hard and you, we care. It's so cool. I'm very proud of the female. I know. It's in great. I love it. You work hard and you give a shit about doing good work. But exactly. also the cat, there's a ton of cattiness amongst the males too. Oh like, my, exactly. We all have a ton of male friends just being comedians. You have to. They're just mad. Like, they don't have no matter how much group. you don't want, you know, yeah. I love my, I love my guy friends. And I mean, they're, they're just as catty and as petty. I mean, I think it's like more amongst like, you know, performers and, and yes. comedians are kind of a lot of times innately a little bit more juvenile. Obviously, yeah. we're fucking in the business of jokes always and silliness. There's going to be gossip. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because with the blog, like, you know, I have decided not to let male criticism affect me, but it still obviously it's does. Hard. But, you know, I'm just going to ask you what, get, what kind of things get to you. Like, what's <sighs> is there something that sticks out? What gets to me is when I can just see exactly what they've been taught and why they now think wrong. And I want to educate them, so to speak. But, you know, I want to woman explain them and I want to like really put them in their place. <laughs> and the funniest part is the the spe- like, you know, mansplaining is obviously an overused term, but like. It really is true sometimes, especially with the blog where the men, there's so many men who basically said, I agree with everything she says, but she could have done it better. And it's like, it's so frustrating because <laughs> like, it's if like they had curated with women, with people of color, with gay people, with other oppressed groups, it's already on them to have the burden of proof of their own mistreatment. And then once you do try and prove it or say anything about it, they're like, you could have done it better. In my humble, unbiased <laughs> opinion, you could have done it better. Or like, you know, People saying like this idiot doesn't know anything about film. You can tell because she included the poster from the graduate. And I'm like, I've seen the graduate. I know the graduate, which first of all, I have my own feminist critiques of the graduate, but I'll say <laughs> that, worry. Like, that aside. I mean, film in general, this is part of my point, greater point in the project that I, cause I wanted to make the blog about something really specific because otherwise people just lose their minds. And I wanted to make it visually indisputable. And, but a lot of it is about, you know, Hollywood and film being so catered towards men still and I know so many like female film lovers and it almost makes it harder when it's a good film that still leaves you like Dude. <laughs> well, I have a fucking BFA in film, so I think I can talk on this, uh, yeah. with, speak to this with some knowledge. And the same thing, uh, over a, a couple months ago, I was rewatching Bridget Jones's Diary, something I remembered as a film I fucking loved, definitely like a modern classic. And I watched it, and then I was texting Christina, and I was like, I can't believe I liked this film. Same. This is one of the worst films for women that I've ever seen. And I remember we all flocked to the theater. We saw that we're like, That's we're like, Renee Zellweger so strong so hard number one <laughs> Renee Zellweger as an actress ruined her fucking body for that yeah. she fu- she gained all this weight and then and then for the next you know th- six months was eating like you know t- a hundred calories a day uh-huh. and treating herself to a 90 calorie Reese's cup every month which is a fact <gasps> you naughty bitch that I fucking you read naughty, naughty from her diary and then it's and then it's just like the whole movie is her being a fucking mess in front of these losers who don't deserve her time or attention in the first place I know and I was like why do we like this she 
she's sitting at home drinking wine, singing sad songs. This is fucking pathetic. I know. Yeah, and you can do it for do it for a day. You got to get over it. You got to feel shit. But then move the fuck on. And go get off the couch. Too. Change yeah. your pants. I know. And go outside. God and damn Mark it. And Darcy, live. Mark Darcy is supposed to be like the charming Mr. Darcy. But Ugh, really all he is is like this really creepy lawyer who always looking at her <laughs> in this creepy way. He's just awkward. Her. He's like literally hiding behind columns being like, hello, Bridget. Um, have either of you watched Patton Oswalt's new Netflix comedy special? No, I have and I want to so, so Damn it, I did Gary Goleman first. I thought, Makes sense oh my that God, you would. So um, I'm excited to watch so that. Good. He has this bit about how all the great films are directed by men and edited by women. And mm. he lists all of these Woody movies. Woody Allen's and editor is a woman. And always. I'm like, oh, yeah. wait, so no sad. way women edited all that. Like in my head, I'm like, shut yeah. up, Christina, you're being an ass. <laughs> and then he did, he proceeded to go into his bit where he's like, so the guys just shoot their camera and they're shooting <laughs> so much film and shooting film in people's faces. And they're like, look at all the film I shot everywhere. And then the woman comes along and they're like, okay, Let's sweetheart, go, go home. I'm going to make <laughs> this into a story. It's true. And I'm like, Fuck. Yeah. Well, because in film school, we're taught in editing class to quote, kill your babies. That's the right. saying. Because it, because every <laughs> film. that in acting, too. Well, every filmmaker thinks it is usually pretty pretentious. Yeah. And they think everything they, that they, they put on screen or that they shot is the is greatest thing. A fucking, yeah, the most amazing thing that anyone's ever watched. What's that? Oh, God. I can't remember. There, I remember in film school watching the director's cut. Number one, if you ever watch the director's cut of any great film that uh-huh. you love, you will vomit. Yeah. It's just the worst piece of shit. Uh, and I <laughs> can't a, what is a director's cut? Uh, is that just there the, the way they wanted to cut it? The director's yeah. cut, yeah, is the original cut before they give it to the editor. Before the editor got to it, it's usually about four hours long. <laughs> oh my god, and it's a so lot of long glares, that horrible pauses, uh-huh. going to the sink and, and getting water shots, like things that yeah. you don't need Unnecessary. to see. It's like meeting mm-hmm. your hero, and then they like talk to you for six hours <laughs> and at you're a like, party. God damn it, I hate you yeah. now. <laughs> you're like, walk away, Scorsese. I cannot handle you right now. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, oh, gosh, I have to look up something. It's- That's so funny. So, um, so it, the one comment you said that is your does your criticism for your blog come from mostly men, all men, any women? Well, give so, you shit. I'm so interested lot- in the trolling thing. I mean, the thing is, is that. I like so I've become like I've tried to make a decision of not letting male critiques get to me because what I'm doing I like to think is mostly for women because that's where I feel there's a gap in comedy of the like comedy from women that truly makes women laugh not the prescribed female comedy but isn't you know? it cool though when dudes like your work though? Exactly, like I think exactly. it's so when guys write into us I'm like thank you it. so much for telling me that you listen to the show because that is the coolest fucking thing and like, they I, it understand means a lot. that I don't hate men like that's the thing is right. that they get it they know you're yes. smarter than that and then I'm like you know joking about this real anger that women have and where are we gonna place it we can't place it anywhere so yeah. it's like we can't place it on individuals so it's like you know we gotta put somewhere so i just put it into songs about killing men but and but humor (laughs) is such a good way to when something makes you angry like joking about the worst thing in the world like the thing that makes things that make me really angry like just turning it into the most uncomfortable inappropriate joke and seeing how far you can go feels so good exactly i've been doing since this it's so nice because now uh when i get on stage they'll introduce me as the like the by the blog and i'll be like uh, yeah, I'm a feminist blogger. Um, so <laughs> I would like every man in here to leave the room. And I, I will not start. Because I want to save space. Yeah. I need to save space and everyone to leave the room right now. And then I'm like, did they leave? I can't actually see them. I don't see 
one there. I don't see me. <laughs> Very expensive surgery. Um, but, Gloria so, Steinem did it to me. But the criticisms from women was actually kind of the most hurtful. And it didn't mm. come from any women that I know. Because I always do this joke of like, I'll never betray women. They'll never betray me. Like, I'm just one of those people. It's like, if you're a woman, you're my friend. And if you do betray me, that sucks. And I don't vengefully attack you. I just kind of say that's enough but that's my approach to women because i feel like men do that to other men in the mentorship way or just the friendship way where it's like you're my buddy you're my pal we're just gonna sit next to each other in silence that makes you my best friend so i'm like <laughs> if they can that's do not that a best friend Ted. Yeah. that's not a best friend so i'm like you know and so a lot of the women you know the criticisms were some of them saying you know, aren't there more serious things to put your feminist energy into? And I'm like, why? Honestly, critiquing one specific area, you know, in my opinion, does not take away from more serious or important critiques. And it's sad because if people know me, uh, I do pretty decent at spreading my feminist rage quite well around. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and also, it's like, what are those people doing if you have time to make comments on other people's blogs? Yeah, like, like how what are, are you contributing? Yeah. What are you doing to make society better? Yeah, ma'am? like this woman's group tweeted me that also deals with like very serious things. Like, female gen- like they understand that it's all a part of a bigger picture mm-hmm. and that it's okay to make smaller critiques especially because i think it's an important point in our modern society that people think we're so progressive and so past all these things people deny racism sexism all sorts of things to go not only does it happen but it happens right in front of you and you don't even notice we don't even notice we become so numb to women's heads being cut off in photos and sexualized only for the sake of men. Yeah. Well, yeah, even I said to you, I was just like, I really honestly didn't notice it. And then as soon as I started uh, following your, your blog, I notice it everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. Yep. And sometimes it's like, you know, I wish I could put some of the ones where she's blatantly objectified, but she has a head, you know, but it's like, that's why I wanted to make this so specific is because that's when you get into like, people want to deny these objectifications, but when... Because it is picture by picture. Sometimes there are photos of a woman completely naked head to toe and she is not a sexual object. Mm -hmm. She's a sexual being. When women take photos of themselves, that is not objectifying yourself necessarily. That is, you know, it's like when people try and say Beyonce is like bad for feminism. Like, no, Beyonce has taken a lifetime of being objectified and turned it into a way of sexual being that is so important and cool, you know? Um, oh my god and you guys like had Amber Rose on here I love Amber Rose I love Amber Rose dude, so much dude she don't give a fuck right yeah and speaking of meeting I mean not that she was a hero but she speaking of meeting people that you like or, or admire she lived up to everything oh, yeah totally cool. uh, I thought yeah. well how but don't do you ever sometimes I look at photos of women in lingerie or something like that right like I'll, I'll be on mm-hmm. Instagram or what an ad on a billboard I have no idea and I'm like oh my god that woman is so beautiful but mm-hmm. then I can't tell I'm like, is she being objectified? I'm just saying she's beautiful because I'm just used. That's what I'm used to. Or I'm pretty sure I really think that. But is my is my are my opinions informed by that shitty fucking? I mean, I don't know. In my opinion, all of our opinions are informed. But in every (laughs) major culture, there's been beauty standards, and beauty standards are still different across the board. And the differences too is you know, beauty for the sake of beauty is not a bad thing, and thinking things are beautiful. But when marketing takes it puts it through this filter and makes it really kind of cheap and dehumanized that's when i think it becomes like because that's not sex you know sex and beauty is about real human feelings and real human intimacy and you know real human desire 
And then it does become hard because, yeah, we're fed so much that we can't ever really know how we truly feel about ourselves. And with these decapitated women, especially, it still clearly feeds an ideal. And, you know, because it's always the boobs, the lips, the torso, and it's all fragmented from the actual wholeness. And then so it tells women over and over again, if your body doesn't fit this standard, you're invisible or you don't matter or you're not sexually appealing. But if you do fit the ideal, which is, quote unquote, the goal, you know, you're interchangeable and you're there primarily for men, for men to consume you sexually. And that's why we get angry because it's a lose lose either fucking way. It's lose fucking lose. That makes me feel insane. And so some of the women criticizing just to like go back to it really quick. It was hard because first they say, you know, couldn't she be doing better things? Or they go, this is boring. Am I really supposed to be offended by this? And I'm like, no, I'm just saying I'm offended by it. You can feel however you want. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying this is something that was pointed out to me. And once it was pointed out to me, it disturbed me. And once I've now pointed out it out to people, I've gotten a lot of messages, people saying, this disturbs me. (laughs) Like, And I'm Mm -hmm. like, that's all I wanted. People say it looks like a car wreck when you go through it. I'm like, that's what I wanted because individually they hide in being so separated from each other, these advertisements and these posters, you know, Mm -hmm. but all together you're like, Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, and I think we talk about this on the podcast a lot, but what feminism is missing is a sense of humor. And so if you're going to make a point and make it entertaining, that's a great way. That's sneaking the medicine into the ice cream of your child. It's like, Hey, I made this entertaining, but also I'm proving a point. And that's the best way because you know, people can come to the conclusion themselves. People don't want to be bored. Like, you know, feminism or information about sexuality, people aren't, aren't digesting it because we're producing it in a fucking boring way. So when you make it interesting, then the people who really need to see it will see it because the scholars who are reading these educational feminist, you know, works and stuff like they're the ones who don't need it. They already are. And intellectual men miss it so much that sometimes you need to throw humor into it for them to go. Oh, my God. Even I, as an intellectual, have just been using women's problems as like an intellectual game. That's super fun for me to play. And I'm Mm. like, this affects us everyday women. And. I do like to do the comedy about it because, you know, serious feminism has its value, but I like doing the angry feminist character. So Mm -hmm. quote unquote, (laughs) like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And because, you know, I think for a long time when the angry feminist was made fun of, it was made fun of in this way of like, and that's why feminism's stupid. But it's like, no, we're making fun of the extremes, the hyperbole Mm -hmm. without undermining how important it is for us to have feminism and what it means to all of us, you know? Yeah. So it's really nice exactly because it shows, you know, feminism can have a sense of humor about itself. It should have a sense of humor about himself. And through that sense of humor, is how we gain power because also that's how real women deal with it like when real women talk about the things that really scare us it's always kind of serious but we also laugh about it so much because that's why it's so absurd to me when people think that women don't have a sense of humor because you're like how else would we survive in this fucked Dude, up world Corinne yeah. and I were going to a club in Miami <laughs> one night and Corinne goes I wonder how many times we're gonna get sexually assaulted here <laughs> oh, probably like two at least at oh least and then three. right after that someone said I like your shoulders to me and then they, and then a block later they said I like your tits and I was like well now you're just in wackadoo land because ne- <laughs> that's something that's never been said to me unless I was Not completely true. naked you have great and tits the, unless I was completely naked Oh wait! Did you see me naked? No. Oh, okay. I seen you, you maybe in a push-up. Oh no, because I because I was just like, oh, I was like, there are people who have seen me. <laughs> no, but and also, and I think another interesting thing about the blog is that uh, all the women are almost the same woman. It's always like this thin 
tall, leggy, white, white mm-hmm. pr- and probably blonde, blonde or woman. if she's black, yeah. the focus is her butt and it's for black men. It's right. or, yes. or it's for to be fetishized. The black woman is always fetishized yeah. mm-hmm. either for white men you know, or for men in general, but white men on a business trip. Yeah. Yeah. Or, but it's like, even in, that's the thing is that in plenty, I think that the fact that most of the people are white in it too, it's like, I can't even get into it because the blog's supposed to be so specific. But when I was looking through these archives of mainstream film and really just film in general, they had a lot of sort of indie films in there Mm. as well. I mean, one for every thousand was black or Hispanic or right. anything oh God, yeah. besides white. And that was usually the theme of the movie, obviously. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and that, that, you that know. speaks to the same thing of where you're fed somebody else's version. So you don't want to see me. You don't want to see somebody like me up there. Like you, you yes. need to be able to see versions of yourself of a strong version of yourself on mm-hmm. reflected in the media. Exactly. It is so much more important than I think white people think it is. Yeah. Because because they never have to know. I mean, I've had so many arguments with men. I'm like blue in the face where I'm just like, you have not. We have all been taught, you know, and for each level of oppression, it gets worse and worse. So it's like, you know, if you're a black gay woman, you've been taught you've been taught in every movie you've ever seen you know, to relate to the white male straight character. But if they see a movie about a black gay woman, they go, this is obviously not for me. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, this wasn't made for me. I shouldn't watch it, you know? Yeah. And it, but when, when someone's like upset, like a, uh, a black gay woman expressing that sentiment of like, there's, I don't see myself reflected in any of this. And yeah. then people are like, what the fuck? Yeah. Calm down. Reverse discrimination. Calm down. Like, Can't you just accept that someone's angry? They're not making it up. Exactly. Yeah. The only time I can think of a black gay character is Orange is the New Black. Like, yeah. that's the only word. And the un- Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Titus. Yeah, yeah. Oh, male. Yes. Uh, yeah. Male. <laughs> male, yeah. But he's yeah. amazing. And it is like, so Hollywood obviously has a lot of problems. And that's why I wanted to like focus so specifically but a lot of the criticism as well has been people saying you know I made sure to include all types of genres I wanted to include mostly modern movies but also show historically how this happens you know in more notable films like American Beauty and some people go you know they go well it's part of the plot there's the scene where she zooms out and it's like the roses and that was some of the poster was her whole self Mm -hmm. I'm like first of all that seems like creepy even though it is a good movie like (laughs) the the tub (laughs) scene it's just so weird Kevin Spacey like just should be punished as a real person just because like (laughs) I mean he's just when I see his face I feel violated like I feel like he's done something to me he does make your vagina feel weird (laughs) when I watched that movie I thought that's I was so turned on during that it's like this weird kind of turned because on I would have like crushes on people's dads yeah. and like it's like that oh my god <laughs> that's what it was about to and that's like that movie itself it's like it's okay like you know I'm not out here trying to censor anyone that's the thing is that people go like you know they always act like feminism's trying to censor you and I'm like all I'm doing is calling you an asshole and people are nodding like you know you can't be <laughs> mad that you're saying dickish things I'm being like yeah. you're a dick and it's not to censor I think it's just to make people more thoughtful Aware. about things yeah yeah I'm not naive enough to think that these practices will ever fully go away or ever change they're a staple in the advertising and marketing you know industry but I think that they speak to and perpetuate yeah. things you know symptoms of society so it's like especially with just the lady parts so cut up and we're just so taught that our body is our value in and of itself and not in its full context of our humanness you know so it's like that's what messages people be like this lady must hate her body and i'm like well 
I did definitely have to go through a long process of realizing that like if I didn't have a perfect torso that you could Photoshop just in itself, you know, to be appealing, you know? So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just the way culture is, though, I, I had this conversation with my boyfriend. He was like, men don't get to be or feel sexy. Mm-hmm. Like weddings, for example, it's all about the woman. Yes. Prom, all about the woman. The dudes wear the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Their form, their their way of expressing themselves through what they're wearing is very minimal. Yeah. And that does suck. So I'm wondering if like part of part of where guys are coming from and maybe they don't even know it mm-hmm. is that they don't. I mean, being obje- I'm not saying guys should be objectified because it doesn't feel great. No, I think they but, should. Like, no, I'm just. I mean, <laughs> I kind of do. I mean, we had uh, a lot some just nudity. Just I love it. Because nudity true. on our tour and it was male nudity and yeah. I was like, yeah, let's fucking objectify some dudes. Yeah, I mean, they miss. I mean, that's the thing too is, and I t- I knew that would be a question people ask, so I did do a post about the headless men that you see, and that's the thing is that you know this system really takes away from us all, and I'm focusing on a problem that affects women but there are some men and i talk about where they're made to feel that their bodies are only a joke or right. only something that's you know not beautiful and unless they're like gi joe or whatever and then it's still mostly about their masculinity and, and their men strength. don't get complimented by a lot of times their girlfriends or wives or any girl at a bar right. or whatever like st- they don't hear like you are so sexy from right. a woman and i think they should because and because they want they it, are they do it to us and i'm like oh i've been reduced to that my whole life one way or another like right so this is why i have this such like i know workable theory that if men stop catcalling women and women start catcalling men literally every single person in the world will be happy and sexism will be over and <laughs> it'll just be a great great world so <laughs> we just need to start catcalling dudes which I is mean, funny they would like it i mean you know i catcall firemen and they love it oh i catcalled a cop the other day and it was the most satisfied i've ever felt in my entire life. when you catcall what is it because when i catcall i'm like <laughs> damn it well oh, like yeah. i get so turned on when we were we were <laughs> at mango's I got so turned on by those dudes on stage. Like I was, <laughs> I was so attracted to them that I was like, "Look at their dick!" I love it. Well, yeah, Ginny and and Sue, they they did. There's a, another com- female comedy duo. They did a video that was oh, yeah. a oh, bunch of places where they they uh, so called a bunch of dudes and they loved it. Of course they did. That girl is yeah. so funny. She whispers in that dude's ear or whatever. Yeah, like, it was super well, funny. Well, because it's not harmful. That's the problem. Is that it's a, yeah, it's we not can't it's physically overpowering. <laughs> Catcalling is one for one in terms of a man being taught that he should compliment a woman and a man knowingly knowing that by threatening a woman or making her feel sexually unsafe you like subjugate her and absurd like assert their power like if it's like at night and you're alone and there's like when they do it in that way well people yeah the, the fucking the cat calling the worst cat calling is the kind that's not calling it's cat whispering oh my where people God. just get really I fucking close to you sneak attack yeah and they're they're yeah they're just Ooh, like that's never happened i don't think that yeah, not me. Like, it happens to me all the time me i think too. i think whisper? it also might be a cultural differences type of cat calling and <laughs> call me racist again my name my email is corinne fisher comedy <laughs> at gmail.com go fuck yourself but if your experience is a certain thing happening yeah that's what it is because a lot of times uh i am more popular in the latin and african-american community so that's the kind of cackling i'll have also i live in fucking yeah, harlem so i mean i'm used to a lot of yeah. close whispering and <sighs> i don't like it and i and i loudly say in response nobody likes that yeah. women don't like that that's and I amazing ju- i've just started doing that because i'm like you know what honestly 
hit me. Mm-hmm. I don't. What are you gonna do? Hit me? Like we're it's a it's a it's a crowded enough area. If like a there's man people ever there. Hits you. I will literally be right behind him before you ever even. Get I would home. love for them. <laughs> Marsh is gonna be hovering over <laughs> you wherever you go. Well, being the co-host I of this podcast, I would fucking love if someone would hit me because they, like they, if they have never hit a woman or this, I would be one of the worst women to hit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Try, try me. For yeah. sure. Try me. Well, I, I just fucking love it. Uh, mace, you have to have a legal like permit or something to carry what? mace in New York. So Oops. I was like, I would Oopsies. love to mace a dude, and I wish a cop would. Like, <laughs> I wish a cop would try and take me to jail for macing someone. Yeah. Oh, be, I mean, my career would just skyrocket. <laughs> yeah, popular no. now. I don't want to go to jail. Like I've been once; it wasn't super fun. So. <laughs> What'd you go to jail for? Oh, it's not important. Nothing, nothing <laughs> man killing related. You killed not a man. man killing. Not man. It was like social justice related. But oh. uh, okay, so well, change cool. yourself to a, change yourself to a tree or something. Uh, I love chaining myself. Yeah, I'm gonna um, probably get a megaphone. What I'm thinking about doing is printing out these posters and putting them all around town with just my face, and it just says like you will not be getting away with this behavior anymore. Like, I like, love that. This like is Marsha is watching you. Let's do that. I'll, I'll Marsha's that. looking over New York City. Yeah. Some tape and some copies will be your street camp. Yeah. I'll fucking flyer for you. That's but right. Yes, like going back to, uh, go just to hit on, because I don't want this to be like, a, you know, it's not, it's not a We Hate Men episode. And I think if you, if that's not clear. No no matter how many times we say, let kill all men on this episode, it's not right. a hating. It's like the bad men will die first and the good men will be sent to re-education centers and those who pass will have a happy life yeah and there definitely are <laughs> body image uh issues that men absolutely struggle with and we wanted to keep that clear in our ted talk even you know it was about uh self-worth through body uh how you look at your body mm-hmm. and i think it is more of a, it's more of like a, a a joke thing like i don't remember in the snl book uh chris farley talks a lot about how it was mm-hmm. very difficult for him because he was just a fat guy and everyone would just want to see him do fat guy stuff and part of the reason that he's now dead is because he would go into these bars and people would be like, let's do shots. You're the fat, funny guy. Uh-huh. You can eat, you can drink all the shots. You're already fat. You can eat all the food. You're already fat. And if he would feel like he needed to play into this Absolutely. character of his body type, he tells a story of one time just for laughs being the fat guy. And he took, he literally took a shit out of a window. And he was <laughs> like, like, he's like I didn't want to fucking take a shit out of a window, but at a certain point you don't know where to go. So it's just like the same way, um, women constantly have to feel sexy or pretty or feel that we have to Absolutely. wear makeup or have our hair done when we go out or go on a job interview or, or we're not going to get this job if we're not wearing makeup. And the thing is like a lot of times we're not going to get the job if we're not wearing makeup. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, it's it happened time and time again. Or if you wear the wrong, oh really? Yeah, yep. where they're like, you don't do enough, and you're like, look at fucking Travis over here. Um, Travis is smoking weed. Yeah, yeah. But you don't have any makeup. I know. So well, and it's the expectation, like you said, where especially in comedy, you know, where Chris Farley and I read that same thing, where it's like he's expected to have a sense of humor about it because that's the jokes that they're writing for him. And with women, we're taught time and time again, still in mainstream comedies and film in general, if you're not okay with being you know not just the sexualized part of the joke but the objectified part of the joke because it's a joke for men by men about the woman's sexuality and how it affects them basically and they're like if you don't just learn to expect that and accept that mm, we don't have a part for you you know i've turned down even dudes that i know vaguely through comedy myself they like oh i have this sketch i want you to be in and i go amazing they send me the script i'm reading through i go did you mistakenly assign me the wrong part (laughs) do you know who i like you know like do you have you read one thing i've ever posted anywhere or said on stage because literally this one guy wanted me to do i forget i was like literally i walk out and go like me boobies or something (laughs) 
<laughs> you touch my boobie? I was like, dude, what the hell? You know? And Man, men, fuck you. And that's part of the problem too, is men don't know how to write for women. They don't know how to write in the voice for women because they have been taught that women are primarily there for them. And they have to really unlearn that, you know? Yeah, and that's, and that's the way it that's affects difficult. Them. And it affects their own sexuality as well. That's why it's important to be aware of, you know, because when such like when sex is cheapened in this way and women are made into objects you know it takes away from how men enjoy sex as well it's a lot less fun to have sex with an object as opposed yeah. to a being so yeah, absolutely yeah. now wh- what is it like i want to get into a little bit more personal history with you to, to wrap things up okay what's it like going on a first date with marsha belsky <laughs> uh well i have a boyfriend now which is very off brand for me i know oh my goodness <laughs> you're straight i know I know yeah also I'm like I always tell people that I'm like really holding out for that late in life lesbian moment where like (laughs) I wake up at like 3 a.m. on my 45th birthday like (gasps) I want pussy oh yes (laughs) thank god it finally came like but also like my mom was for sure disappointed that I wasn't gay I think like I really well because like you know my parents are very liberal and like I they want a liberal gay kid. They would love a gay kid. I mean, what a treat. It's a liberal trophy. <laughs> I, but, and, but also, it was like, I always knew that she would accept me. I'm very lucky in that way. So it was like, I remember asking her, you know, if, like, I'm gay, would it be okay? She said, I'd only be worried about the way the world would treat you. You would never have to, you know, like, they, just the really positive right things for parents Was to there say. a time when you were unsure if you were gay or not? No, that's the fucking oh, problem. Okay. You just were asking a question just for the hell of it. Yeah, because I'd always try and like find ways to make my parents not love me, and they'd be like, "Well, so I'd be like, what if I go to jail for murder?" And they'd be like, "We would I still would love you, but don't do that." Like, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that you know I always had crushes on boys, and but because I come from this line of strong women, and being from Oklahoma specifically, where women are, and especially women children little baby girls are taught to be seen first and probably not heard at all but if heard only in proper moments and you know only like very quietly and like oh do you mind if i oh yeah 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 yeah. and it's beauty pageant culture you know and so yeah a lot of beauty pageant stuff in oklahoma and um so you know i think that because i was always this tomboy and you know my feminism mostly came after high school obviously like even though i still i think was thought a little bit differently um than well, the mainstream it's hard to tell the that there's a there's a, you're being oppressed even these, yes. these tiny ways it's because they add up oh, over middle your lifetime the worse for girls for sure oh like, my god dudes in yeah. middle, dudes in my middle school like some of them were Punishing. just awful the things they uh, would say about the girls i know because they're I'm like in, you're a monster it shows how much they're taught because all of it's so bad like yeah but so you know I keep getting off track and forgetting what you asked. This me. is very so sorry. What's it like to date? What's it oh, like on a like first, first date, date with Mar- so, Marsha? Oh, yeah. Am I gay? Wait, that's what I was talking about. So you're, you're I would not love gay. to be. <laughs> I'm not. And it's hard because, you know, I always kind of was curious about my sexuality in this way because I knew I was attracted to men and romantically attracted to men as well. Mm-hmm. But I had such long periods of being single because I have very much pushed away the idea of ever needing or wanting to be a dependent on a man mm-hmm. to the point Good for you girl and it's you know because i did but it wasn't always there like i lived with a guy out of high school before i was even 18 who was eight years older than me Whoa. and i lived with him for we dated for two years you know it had a lot of effect on i was kind of this kid that when i was 15 i thought and acted like i was 30 i wanted to be 30 and yep. i thought that's what i wanted 
And so then after that and after I, you know, really started to learn a lot of things about myself and started doing comedy and whatever it is that's made me me in this moment, um, I haven't really been able to bring men into it in a really real way. And so I wonder, like, I knew I wasn't asexual, but I just wondered if I just wasn't meant to be in a relationship or what it was. I had like a long casual sex period, but it wasn't really like a fuck buddy thing. It was like a one night stand. Like it was actually like it did feel empowering in the way where like I loved like I used to love just kind of like I'm sorry if my boyfriend's listening to this. I don't think he is, but (laughs) I used to love just going into a bar and like playing pool and like just being very like dude like and then being like finding like the cutest chubby beardo in the room and being like yeah <laughs> and you then you're just gay. like and obviously like you're just like where do you live cool like they're never like no thank you please like right, 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 right. <laughs> go away ma'am yeah let's say i have like, a girlfriend or and then if i got rejected i just be like whatever take a shot like <laughs> run away <laughs> so but i you know i was scared that i couldn't emotionally connect to men for a long time and especially when i started being more adamant about my feminist stance and just my joke even jokingly making my comedy about this very extremist thing because it is jarring and when you have a one-on-one conversation with me like you know I can get really serious about the real place that it comes from for me you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. um and so I have always had this sense when I date even really good men that just because of the ways they've been taught there's something about them that wants to like take me down you know that wants to make me lesser than and they're not conscious of it but they're threatened by Mm -hmm. you know just the way what what attracts us as strong women to them sometimes is often what threatens them and it's specific which with each of us because we're so unique and because we're so you know full people and they're not taught to deal with women who are full people yeah even the even good dudes even good men steven i started making almost as much money as him maybe a little bit more and he's like this is weird I'm like yeah why is it fucking weird yeah. i can't make what the fuck i can't i depended on you yeah. and now you can depend on me yeah. why is that a bad thing and it doesn't make you weak through it but it's because masculinity is so punishing and they have no outlets you know girls we at least talk to each other except for the women who i feel bad for that are so isolated yeah. you know but so it, it's hard but with this guy that i'm dating now who i really like a lot how um, did you guys meet He's a comic. Okay. And we met, like, uh, he moved here from Chicago. Um, and I guess I'll just say his, his name's Tommy McNamara. Like, okay. we're, like, I mean, we're not, like, in the closet. Together. Oh, I know, I know who that is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but it's just, like, it happened, like, very naturally. And, like, he's a really great guy. And I really, and I told him this, like, I really feel this profound difference in him in terms of, him there's no part of him that feels competitive with me or wants to take me down or wants to use me as like leverage like a conquerable thing over other men like because i've pushed men so far away from me one of my last boyfriends in portland who i i kind of fucking hope he's listening to this but he (laughs) He might be we got a lot of Portland. you know when i left and i was like going to new york and that's i wanted to break up with him but i was also kind of like that was the reason I was leaving. He was like, Oh, I hope you get famous so I could tell my friends that I fucked you, you know? And I was like, tell your friends that we dated. That must've been the words that you meant. Tell your friends that you knew me as a person. And he's like, no, mostly that we fucked like, you know? Yeah. And I felt that sense, even in really good men where it's mostly about a notch on their belt, even when they do care about you, even when they see you completely, you know, and they have to see you in these pieces because I think that a full woman all at once, all the time is like unmanageable to them because 
they want a woman who is you know but that's what's great about good men is that they understand that full support from an equal partner comes from just that an equal partner yeah whereas if you have a woman who's always supporting you and that's her main job like that's give me a, a break. Stanford wife yes exactly yeah, of course and there's, there's that, like a good man yeah Ugh, I, just, I i i have friends that are just good fucking men yeah. and my dad is such a good man mm-hmm. like oh my god i love men that that res- can respect women and not be threatened exactly and i think you can always oh, tell it's, it's great when a man comes to it on his own yeah. but like especially with my current boyfriend once i realize that he has a family with a lot of women and the women uh, play an important part in his family and he's very close with his sisters i was like oh my god that's why you like see me as fully human right. <laughs> like, i notice right. a lot of guys with a ton of sisters in their lives like usually yeah. are more respectful because there was tampons in the toilet like right. i'm sorry like when you, <laughs> yeah totally there's a difference like and because it know. makes it real and makes it not a story or a clip on a tv show exactly. or a scene from something a you giggle about with your Friend in the yeah, bathroom. it's something you've exactly. experienced. Oh God! I mean, I I judge so much of of a man, man or how he is based off how he handles disgusting quote disgusting female stuff like yes. periods and everything. Anyone who's cool with a period is pretty usually a good person. That's yeah. like a really great way to judge someone. Exactly. Well, and just because I mean that's the ultimate thing is just seeing problems that affect only women and not men as human problems because we see yeah. problems that affect only men and not women. Right. As and that's so much of our problems with like our government. I mean, we can't even get into it because it's like still so much girls are taught like first of all women should make more than men and tampons should be free well i think a lot yeah. of times men and i will, want a flat screen like men will see things, i think a lot of times men will see things like uh you getting your period or something they'll see something disgusting or they'll see a woman fart or like shit herself or mm-hmm. something like that she something, shit you know something that truly is always shitting herself something that happens to if everybody you are jarred in any way by a woman shitting well, herself yeah, you, I think it, like, you should die it like desexualizes them and then it's like well yes. i can't see even there's lots of stories of men who have seen their women their 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 women who have seen their <laughs> wives or their girlfriends uh give birth and and then talk about how because they saw what happened to oh their my vagina God, they are no longer sexually Ugh. attracted to him this is like a real thing a real problem that's my least favorite joke in the whole fucking mm-hmm. world oh my <laughs> god when do when dudes do that shit on the comedy like on the comedy stage but oh i don't even god. think it's you know it's not it's beyond jokes i think some guys really do feel that way I and i don't think it's i don't think because it's, you can't be not a sexual person to them for a minute and that's right. what it is there's Women no leeway are still and that's what these posters show in a lot of ways too like women are still told that our primary value and sexual value is for the purpose of men first and foremost and especially hollywood like they're like you're supposed to be like the fuckable background and then as soon as the man's like it's man time honey you're like okay i'll float away now. I guess I'll go. thank you so much i'm gone like out of sight out of mind that's how men are taught to think about women and then once like us badass like modern bitches are like well that's how i'm gonna be with men they're like women have every privilege in the world (laughs) (laughs) right and i think and i think then we kind of recently we see things like broad city inside amy schumer you know train wreck uh uh, sisters with tina fey and amy poehler a lot of examples of women now quote you know not just being beauty objects but then kind of going all the way in this other direction Mm -hmm. where we're just burping and farting and getting drunk and going crazy it's like there is a happy yeah but like we we like feeling pretty sometimes too yeah when it can just be normal it doesn't have to be so over 
over the top yeah. comedic. I'll yes. fart and then put on lipstick. You can fart exactly. and have a beer on your couch and it doesn't have to be the most hilarious thing that's ever happened. Yes. It can just be like a real thing that happened in time. Mm-hmm. Like, cause you're like a human and who just like farts. Right. Like exists. It's true. And you always have to look at like how we're being sold, even the empowerment stuff. Like I like Schumer and Broad City. Like that movie Sisters was like good morally I guess I just didn't like the movie very much (laughs) um but it is true where it's like you know they go so extreme the other way where I'm like I don't really like fart or poop jokes that much in general me neither so I I hate when now all the female comedies it's like to prove a point you know and but what's also nice is that men are driven absolutely crazy because it's kind of in the way where like people started accepting gay culture in the queer eye for the straight guy way but then when gay people were like we want to fuck we're sexual they were like oh no 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 like so like when a woman joking about farting they're like um this makes us uncomfortable but i i guess we can do that and then she's like and i'm also gonna have sex and they're like no like you can't so, do both that's why schumer pisses so many people off and that's why i love like alana glazer and the broad city girls is because alana glazer is the she's most so like funny. sex positive amazing like <sighs> she truly knows what she wants and how she feels you know and mm-hmm. she acts on yep. it mm-hmm. and that's why i love that show so much because they're both just so full characters you know yeah and anytime a dude like either won't give it a chance or doesn't watch i got my well my my roommate got my other roommate to like um (laughs) i shouldn't talk about because this is but it was it's great when when like that's it <laughs> and cut. There was a there's an episode of Broad City where Alana like got <laughs> Hannibal plays Lincoln. Um yeah. like they were there they've been fuck buddies the whole the whole entire show and mm-hmm. then he's like dating somebody else. Yeah. And Alana was like, Can I come over? And she and Hannibal was like, Spoiler. No, I got somebody else here. She's like, Oh, cool, cool, cool. No, do your thing, do your yeah. thing, do your thing. I'm like, Thank you. Yes. It's nice to see a woman not be like, What? I know. When and then does- when she does get upset, it's because he doesn't want to be friends with her anymore. Yes. I'm like, Aw, that mm-hmm. sucks. Yes. I think that's the thing is a lot of people don't believe in this polyamory thing because women have been so subjugated sexually in society and that's where it's really hard because as we're trying to take the power back of course there are going to be situations in which that's exploited Mm -hmm. but you can't see that as the norm so it's like any woman who is sexual or promiscuous is not doing it because of some sad thing or even if it is like you can't you know it's like People just want to go so Madonna or horror complex. Oh, you know? yeah. I'm sure you guys have talked well, about we've that had plenty. Wendy but. Starling on who was raped and is a very sexual person. Yes, okay? exactly. She has always been a sexual person well before the rape. Mm-hmm, exactly. The rape does not inform her sexuality. I'm sure it had a, a made a dent or, or like a there was yeah. a time where it did affect it, of course. But like she's not the way she is because she was raped at exactly. all. Have you ever heard? So obviously I'm like, you know. Some people see me as radical because I think all men what? should die. I don't no. really see Never why. would use that word to describe <laughs> you, much. That's crazy. Um, but there's this, like, radical feminist movement that I love called Riot Girl, which I'm sure is yeah. Oh, yeah. Kathleen Hanna and everything. And I love she has this one lyric that always just, like, sticks in my mind because I think it's a hard thing every woman goes through where because of these images we're fed of ourselves as interchangeable objects and because of rape culture where we have to then find sexual pleasure despite that. And in some ways, I think that when they say women's sexual peak comes in their 30s, I think that is a physical thing. But I also think it's a societal thing. Where right. It's like that's when we reach the point where no all fucks. the pieces come together and we have right. like the best orgasms of our life. Like <laughs> you're like, I don't give a fuck. 
Chicago. Right. Like, Come everywhere. Because that's when you realize you don't want to put up with it. Yeah, you exactly. just spent a fucking decade just dealing with men's bullshit. And I think maybe just like 10, 10 years is about the amount of patience that a woman has, which is a yeah. very, very, <laughs> very long, long amount of patience. And then, uh, and then at a certain point, you're just like, I do not give a fuck. And also, I think it's like, because in a, in a way, society, in society, you do lose a little bit of value as a woman when you co- become 30. Mm-hmm. So then you're just like, whatever now. Yeah. I got no, kicked out of the Playboy man- mm-hmm. Mansion. So like, who fucking cares anymore? I'll do I whatever know. the fuck I want. I think I love how, I hope it's changing and it is changing where it's like now to me, like when a woman is 30, that's when she's just hitting her stride. Like where it's like amazing to see a lot of parts of mass culture starting to try like and push that. And mm-hmm. we that's why we have to keep talking about it because, you know, a lot of the criticism of the blog has been people saying, well, some of these movies are so dumb. Their whole point of the comedy was to objectify women. And my first thing is like, oh, well, maybe one day that won't be an entire genre. Like, is that too much to hope for? Like- yeah, it's like there's the problem right there. <laughs> yeah. Did you see Mad Max? I, you know what? I've only seen half of Mad Max because my friend gave me a Xanax. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> but I do totally need to finish gotcha. it. You know, I loved it. After I saw that movie, I was so blown away. I might be spoiling this for you, but uh, that Charlize Theron's character does not make out with Tom Hardy's character. Yes, I always take it there. And then I was like, wait, why am I so shocked and delighted that she didn't even give a shit about fucking that hot yes. man? Like, that wasn't her priority. Her priority was to get her gal pals back to where she came from exactly. and that's what she cared about like a real woman and would. i've like, never seen a woman's priorities in a film especially so, like someone like Charlize theron who's like the hottest bitch in the land exactly like not be to get a dude or to I, it's just well, so that's, that's nice. why i like the x-files for so long because uh, for a very long time love. Mulder and scully were not fucking mm-hmm. i mean ultimately they did but then you, oh, ju- you yeah you you just love uh dana scully because she truly loves her work she, yeah and she loves science like law and she order loves science SVU. she loves like science. svu too kind of svu with the yeah. um mariska Marcia, or mariska hargitay, mariska hargitay. She's so pretty. i know so um, we, have to, we have to wrap okay okay let's wrap what's the final point i feel like yeah, we're just making final, final points um man now i have to like trace back so we were talking about men oh mad max um what's so great too like when Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Go back further. I can't. What were we talking about for Mad Max? The posters, probably. The posters and how and w- entire films and entire genres being about female objectification. Right. Okay. So, and yeah. So then and my argument, too, is that, you know, objectification in itself is bad. But when you take away literally a woman's head, which I talk about on the blog, why that really does take away so much. And we become so used to these images of fragmented bodies you have to think about what it teaches little girls, especially as they're mm. going through adolescence and who haven't been taught to think critically yet. Yeah. You know, so I'm not naive enough to think it's ever going to change, but it has been so nice just because it opens your eyes up to a lot. Men are always so shocked that there's whole worlds that they have never been taught about and never really had to see. And they should so, be taught when, as they're young boys. Exactly, exactly. That's a great point that you made about teaching kids to think critically, guys and girls. Yeah, about just what they're being taught and why and how they define their own value and how men define women's values still through their own lens. And that's why when I'm sure you guys experience when you're a woman 
who has through time learned to define their own value, men always want to almost like demean that or good men are so impressed by it because they really are truly blown away. They're not used to it where they go, something about you is different. It's it's so impressive. You know, and it's impressive to me. Like I got a job once where I worked in, it was an accounting um, area of a company and they were all women and they were so smart. And I was like, Whoa. Yes, exactly. They're all chicks and they're like math nerds. Mm-hmm. Well, right. And even our, our lawyer, we walked the first time we walked into our lawyer's office in fucking, you know, Beverly, Beverly Hills. Hills. We walked in and this is a top law firm. And like almost everyone who worked for him was like a hot babe. And Christine and I were like, whoa, you can be smart and pretty. Yeah. yeah. This is a crazy. And when men are oh. handsome, they're actually assumed, unless they're like a pretty boy, they're actually assumed. Like when you see a 40 year old handsome man, you assume that he is actually smarter. And when you see like a 40 year old yep, attractive you woman, you're like, idiot. everything she's gotten is because of her looks. Or like, you know, mm-hmm. even if you have, True. there's so much I do that. To it. I do that in my head, unfortunately. Yeah. And we all do. I mean, that's the thing is that we can't even blame ourselves and you can't even really truly blame a lot of the men unless they're just straight up piece of shit looking at you Derek this guy Derek keeps emailing me it's like <laughs> Derek shut the fuck Derek, up Derek shut the fuck up but, but well, the, there's the, a lot the, of a, like a lot of a man man's looks are based on like the kind of clothes he wears the kind of haircut he has expensive things and so yes. we associate that a man got expensive things because he has a good job because he's smart and that defines his and value like, completely yeah and a yeah. woman looks good because she's you know has free time to go to right. the gym because her husband takes care of her mm-hmm. and she uses uses his credit card to go to the mall yep that is money <laughs> that's how life works you guys i know i think um, the best thing you could do to cure that though is develop a sense of self-awareness exactly yes and that you just have to learn to really think critically and what opened my eyes to these images was someone just showing me all together hundreds and hundreds of images over the years of advertisements of just a female leg just lips just this and then when you start to look at how it seeps into other aspects of society and how women in general are still taught to view ourselves you know it each image in itself I don't think has necessary significance but that's Mm -hmm. why I wanted to put them together because for me together they do mean something that's when you look at it Absolutely. So, so the um, the website is headlesswomenofhollywood.com. Uh, there's a Twitter, Hollywood Headless, H-L-Y Wood Headless. And I am Marsha Belsky, which is M-A-R-C-I-A-B-E-L-S-K-Y. So please find yes, me on follow. Twitter. Check my band if you want to, you know, like if you want to be a part of the revolution. If you don't, then <laughs> NBD. Just die. Yeah, no big deal. Just, <laughs> just die or whatever. Um, men come, especially if you want the board to consider saving your life. I'm not sure if we can. <laughs> Hunger Games. And wait, where can we find information on your band or dates that you're playing? Um, my band only has a Facebook page right now. It's Free The Mind with two E's in the, but we're working on that because we have our EP coming out and so we'll have a music video coming out and a website and all that good stuff put together so we'll probably hear about it on stuff. your twitter You'll yes absolutely i'll tweet about okay. it on awesome. that was so professional you were very prepared yeah like you're <laughs> yeah. good at doing promoting yourself on podcast thank you very much yeah. guys this has been guys we fucked the anti-slut shaming podcast we'll talk to you next friday feminism who is she what does she want you know we don't want to speak for all women but we will but we will and we wanted to write a song that defines not only what feminism means to us but what it means to all women. All women. And so this is about that. We hope you enjoy. Women are perfect. 
No woman has any flaws Men should all be afraid Because they're about to fall Women are better Inherent people than men Yes, we are superior To each and every one of them Yes, all women are perfect And all men are dumb They are the evil ones Without exception Women are immortals We literally never die We are gods upon earth Sent from the sky It's not only the women are human In fact, we are beyond human We are transcendent Now please Repeat after me. I am a woman. You are a woman too. You are a woman too. Yes, you, sir. 